the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMosio podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It's Tim DeMoss and you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show 402. Thanks for tuning in. Forecast the rest of the afternoon. Maybe a couple of flurries or light snow in spots. It was kind of pretty to see earlier today. Then just some clouds and eventually clearing. Low of 26 this evening. Tomorrow, lots of sunshine, high 43. Friday, right really through early next week, pretty much the same. Decent amount of sunshine, high around 30 uh, to 35 to 40 each day. Sixers are at Toronto tonight, 8 o'clock. They've won four in a row, eight of their last nine. 17 and 8 after 25 games. So they're having a, a good year thus far. Flyers are home tomorrow against Columbus. Of course, as you heard in the news little segment there and are probably well aware of, uh, President George Herbert Walker Bush's funeral service was earlier today. Uh, we actually aired that on our sister station, 990 uh, WNTP. Um, they honored him well. I, I was actually getting my car worked on, just getting an oil change and a couple of ins- inspection. And, uh, and I, I was doing email. I really wasn't uh, thinking I was going to be near a television actually today. And they had one in the lobby where I was. And after a little while, I just started paying attention, and I thought, you know, as much as I need to do some emails and stuff, I, I probably really should just watch this because it's such a rare thing, obviously, and, and important. Um, and I found the part that I got, at least, the, the last half hour maybe or so, it was very evangelistic. I mean, the gospel was all throughout. I don't know if you saw Michael W. Smith, uh, longtime friends of the Bush family, was there, performed his, one of his classic songs, Friends. Um, and then I watched at the end where there was, you know— Singing going as the coffin was walked out of the church by uh, you know six or seven of the pallbearers there, which, on a side note, a pretty amazing honor to be one of those chosen. I'm not sure actually how that you know that, that process worked, but uh, the responsibility too, because it was a you know very slow, steady walk and stopping a lot, and then there's a lot of steps. I'm like, I'm not sure I'd want the pressure of having to do that, but uh, again, I'm sure a, a big honor. Um, so. And, and uh, you also heard that you know, stock markets were closed. Also, the post office was closed. President uh, Trump declared it to be a national day of mourning. So one result of that was the U.S. Postal Service suspended most of its services today, uh, the regular mail delivery and retail service. Um, they may have a little bit of uh, package delivery going on. So just in case you're running to the post office before it closes, no need to rush because they're closed. Uh, and similarly, if you come home and you're thinking there's something in your mailbox, uh don't believe there will be anything till tomorrow. Just a heads up. Uh, now, that said, uh, today what we want to do is a little continuation of what we've been doing, uh, I guess, just yesterday, maybe do for another day or so. Stepping back, this is our three-month anniversary this week. And in the first uh, 90 days, we've had about 90 different people on the program. It's been a big blessing. And just wanted to give you a sample of what the show is about. Uh, so we're going to get into that a little bit and give you a cross-section of some of the speakers and athletes and musicians we've had on. 
And the heart of it really is based on John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so it's exciting to me to think that, you know what, anybody who's listening, you know, God loves you and he wants to know you and, and have a relationship with you. And some people I know who listen love the Lord back and, and have embraced that. Others are perhaps considering it. Others maybe not yet, you know. So that's all good. Uh, even some of our guests we've had on, you know, are, are, are kind of perhaps on the edge a little bit. We've had some friendships going there. And I'd like, I'd like this program to be a reflection of my life. You know, I'm out in the everyday life. Sometimes I'm at church and it's clearly I'm worshiping God, read the Bible with my family around the table. But there are times I'm hanging out with folks who don't know the Lord too. So hopefully this is a safe space, so to speak, where people can feel welcome, learn a little bit, have some conversation back and forth. And so, uh, well, anyway, we'll get into that as the days, uh, you know, days come uh, day by day here. But before any of that, I do want to play um, this clip uh, of, of our uh, you know, President Bush's son, uh, George W. Bush. He gave a rather, um, you know, powerful uh, speech uh, just before. It's not that long. We have most of it, not the whole thing here. But just want to give you an idea. If you missed what happened, um, I'm thinking, Joe, maybe we should do our break first. Why don't we do our, our break and then we'll come back. That way you can kind of listen to it more, you know, without, without breaking it into two pieces. So we'll do a short break, come back. Our next segment, we'll give you um, some audio from the service today, President Bush's uh, service, his son speaking. And then we'll continue on with some other clips from interviews we've had over these past few months. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's The Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. Coming up on 410, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's The Tim DeMoss Show Earlier today, President George Herbert Walker Bush, number 41, as it were, 41 as it's referred to, uh, funeral service, and his son uh, spoke, and uh, I want to just play a part of what he had to say about his dad today. I once heard it said of man that the idea is to die young as late as possible. At age 85, a favorite pastime of George H.W. Bush was firing up his boat, the Fidelity, and opening up the three 300-horsepower engines to fly, joyfully fly, across the Atlantic with the Secret Service boats straining to keep up. At age 90, George H.W. Bush parachuted out of an aircraft and landed on the grounds of St. Anne's by the Sea in Kennebunkport, Maine, the church where his mom was married and where he worshiped often. I would like to say he chose the location just in case the chute didn't open. <laughs> in his 90s, he took great delight when his closest pal, James A. Baker, smuggled a bottle of Grey Goose vodka into his hospital room. Apparently it paired well with the steak Baker had delivered from Morton's. <laughs> to his very last days, Dad's life was instructive. As he aged, he taught us how to grow with dignity, humor, and kindness. And when the good Lord finally called, how to meet him with courage and with the joy of the promise of what lies ahead. One reason Dad knew how to die young is that he almost did it, twice. When he was a teenager, a staph infection nearly took his life. 
A few years later, he was alone in the Pacific on a life raft, praying that his rescuers would find him before the enemy did. God answered those prayers. It turned out he had other plans for George H.W. Bush. For Dad's part, I think those brushes with death made him cherish the gift of life, and he vowed to live every day to the fullest. Dad was always busy, a man in constant motion, but never too busy to share his love of life with those around him. He taught us to love the outdoors. He loved watching dogs flush a covey. He loved landing the elusive striper. And once confined to a wheelchair, he seemed happiest sitting in his favorite perch on the back porch at Walker's Point, contemplating the majesty of the Atlantic. The horizons he saw were bright and hopeful. He was a genuinely optimistic man. And that optimism guided his children and made each of us believe that anything was possible. He continually broadened his horizons with daring decisions. He was a patriot. After high school, he put college on hold and became a Navy fighter pilot as World War II broke out. Like many of his generation, he never talked about his service until his time as a public figure forced his hand. We learned of the attack on Chichijima, the mission completed, the shootdown. We learned of the death of his crewmates, whom he thought about throughout his entire life. And we learned of the rescue. And then another audacious decision. He moved his young family from the comforts of the East Coast to Odessa, Texas. He and mom adjusted to their arid surroundings quickly. He was a tolerant man. After all, he was kind and neighborly to the women with whom he, mom, and I shared a bathroom in our small duplex. Even after he learned their profession, ladies of the night. <laughs> Dad could relate to people from all walks of life. He was an empathetic man. He valued character over pedigree. And he was no cynic. He looked for the good in each person and he usually found it. Dad taught us that public service is noble and necessary, that one can serve with integrity and hold true to the important values like faith and family. He strongly believed that it was important to give back to the community and country in which one lived. He recognized that serving others enriched the giver's soul. To us, his was the brightest of a thousand points of light. In victory, he shared credit. When he lost, he shouldered the blame. He accepted that failure is a part of living a full life, but taught us never to be defined by failure. He showed us how setbacks can strengthen. None of his disappointments could compare with one of life's greatest tragedies the loss of a young child. Jeb and I were too young to remember the pain and agony he and mom felt when our three-year-old sister died. We only learned later that dad, a man of quiet faith, prayed for her daily. He was sustained by the love of the Almighty 
and the real and enduring love of her mom. Dad always believed that one day he would hug his precious Robin again. He loved to laugh, especially at himself. He could tease and needle, but never out of malice. He placed great value on a good joke. So I chose Simpson to speak. <laughs> on email, he had a circle of friends with whom he shared or received the latest jokes. His grading system for the quality of the joke was classic George Bush. The rare sevens and eights were considered huge winners. George Bush knew how to be a true and loyal friend. He nurtured and honored many, his many friendships with a generous and giving soul. There exist thousands of handwritten notes encouraging or sympathizing or thanking his friends and acquaintances. He had an enormous capacity to give of himself. Many a person would tell you that dad became a mentor and a father figure in their life. He listened and he consoled. He was their friend. I think of Don Rhodes, Taylor Blanton, Jim Nance, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and perhaps the unlikeliest of all, the man who defeated him, Bill Clinton. My siblings and I refer to the guys in this group as brothers from other mothers. <laughs> he taught us that a day was not meant to be wasted. He was born with just two settings, full throttle, then sleep. Taught us what it means to be a wonderful father, grandfather, and great-grandfather. He was firm in his principles and supportive as we began to seek our own ways. He encouraged and comforted, but never steered. We tested his patience. I know I did. But he always responded with the great gift of unconditional love. Last Friday, when I was told he had minutes to live, I called him. The guy answered the phone, said he, I think he can hear you, but he hadn't said anything for most of the day. I said, Dad, I love you and you've been a wonderful father. And the last words he would ever say on earth were, I love you too. To us, he was close to perfect. But not totally perfect. His short game was lousy. <laughs> he wasn't exactly Fred Astaire on the dance floor. The man couldn't stomach vegetables, especially broccoli. And by the way, he passed these genetic defects along to us. <laughs> Finally, every day of his 73 years of marriage, Dad taught us all what it means to be a great husband. He married a sweetheart. He adored her. He laughed and cried with her. He was dedicated to her totally. Of course, Dad taught me another special lesson. He showed me what it means to be a president who serves with integrity, leads with courage, and acts with love in his heart for the citizens of our country. When the history books are written, they will say that George H.W. Bush was a great president of the United States, a diplomat of unmatched skill, a commander-in-chief of formidable accomplishment, 
and a gentleman who executed the duties of his office with dignity and honor. 43, talking about 41, George W. Bush, about his father, George Herbert Walker Bush, who passed away and the service was earlier today, attended by presidents that are are alive and their spouses, President Carter and uh, Clinton and Obama and... uh, and of course, President Trump, as well as uh, their spouses. So it's uh, uh, one of those really rare days. And so uh, normally we don't do a whole lot of political things officially, but I just stepping back and thinking, uh, especially the service, I don't know if you had a chance to listen, was was a lot of gospel in there, which is a good thing. So in any case, out of respect uh, for our president, we put that on there. We're going to take a short break and then we're going to come back at you with a number of different guests that we've had the privilege of having on the past few months as the program uh, has been going since early September and give you a cross-section and an idea of what this show is about. If you're new to the program, if you're not, maybe it's a show you've never heard before. Of course, you can go to our site, WFIL.com. There are a lot of podcasts there. Help yourself as well. Back in just a second, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. AM560 WFIL. It's, you know, 33 degrees out or whatever, so what better time to play summer music? Feeling warmer? Maybe not. But it's the thought that counts. One of the fine guests we had on our program... Over the past uh, few months, in fact, it was just last week, I think, a week before, the days run together sometimes, Mike Love of the Beach Boys. He has a Christmas CD out called Reason for the Season. He's also doing a number of uh, concerts kind of within shouting distance of the tri-state area, including Wilmington, Delaware, I think, next week. And so we had an opportunity to have him on the program. And one of the questions I asked Mike Love of the Beach Boys was, was uh, you know they've written some of the biggest songs in pop music history? Did that come naturally to him? Was he always like doodling when he was a kid and writing songs when he was little, or how did all that work? I personally always liked literature and poetry and and, and that kind of thing. And I grew up in a household which was mu- nonstop music. In fact, we were awakened to go to school by opera music that my mom would put on the hi-fi, wow. and that was brutal. You know, <laughs> offer at six in the morning to wake up to go to school. Oh my gosh! At any rate, but we loved all the music we heard on the radio. We loved doing the Christmas carols at this time of year. We would carol around the neighborhood, literally go around Christmas caroling around to the neighbors and stuff. Because my mom was so incredibly into music, and I had a grand piano, an organ, and a harp in the living room I grew up in. And we'd have the first cousins come over. My mom was one of eight kids. And, and not to mention my dad's side, he, he, the, they hadn't, didn't have as many kids as the Wilsons, but we had lots of first cousins. Some of them uh, developed a, a, a recording group with Brian, Dennis, and Carl Wilson and myself, first cousins. So, but we all started singing together at these birthday parties and Christmas parties, and um, that those are my first memories of singing with my my cousins. And so here we are. You know, many, many years, many decades later, doing a Christmas album, re- recreating the feeling of the, those those musical moments with my cousins when we started, the before we even started the Beach Boys. That's amazing. Yeah. Mike Love of the Beach Boys with us, the new Christmas CD, Reason for the Season on BMG. Just came out last month. I downloaded it. I've listened to it multiple times. Like it a lot. Lots of fun. 
energy, happy feel that most folks would expect, uh, including Jingle Bell Rock. Uh, I think one of the most fun Christmas songs ever, Little St. Nick. You know, I play that at every DJ gig I do. Is it it as fun for you to play that still uh, as it is much for folks to hear it? Absolutely. We did it on the, as a bumper on the Today Show yesterday, and, and we did, with Hanson, we did Finally It's Christmas. It's their song, but I sang the lead, and they backed me up, and it was really, really great rendition of that song. Mike Love of the Beach Boys will give you a sample of that song. This is from his uh, Christmas CD, Reason for the Season, originally done by the Beach Boys. This is Little St. Nick from his new album, Mike Love, AM560 WFIL. There's a tale about Christmas that you've all been told And a real famous cat all dressed up in red And he spends a whole year working out in his sled It's the little Saint Nick It's the little Saint Nick Just a little bobsled, we call it old Saint Nick But she'll walk her toboggan with a four-speed stick WFIL. That's Mike Love's version of Beach Boys, uh, Little St. Nick from his brand new Christmas CD called Reason for the Season. If you're just tuning in, we're uh, giving you some sampling, a little little Christmas sampler, like the Whitman sampler, the chocolate, which I bought a mini one the other night, I will confess. There we go. Giving you a little cross-section of what this program is about and has been about the first few months. Uh, We'll just give you another snippet here of our conversation with Mike Love. And this is what... Uh, it was kind of it was kind of neat because this is a perfect example um, of how you know every now and again I'll have an interview opportunity and I'm not sure where the other person is coming from spiritually speaking but when I bought the album and I listened to it there really were some surprisingly you know deep uh, thoughts to it you know and I was like wow I wonder where you know where that's coming from so uh, I was looking for just a little bit of a window of opportunity just to bridge that opportunity to to, to bring up. Uh, WFIL's history and uh, and see where Mike Love might be at in these sorts of things. Again, it's a seven minute interview, so you got to pack a lot into a very short amount of time. But here's our list of a little piece of our, our conversation as we had. And you may find this interesting. WFIL is a long history. Dick Clark, American Bandstand, the whole thing was a top forty station back in the day. It actually is a Christian station now. So hey, ha- really? <laughs> yes, that's amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, we used to be all over that station. You know, back way back when. Absolutely. It, yeah, and played the Spectrum and all that. Yeah. Speaking yeah. of which, concert dates. I want to make sure we sneak this in here. I know you have a full day. You're going to be within shouting distance of WFIL's broadcast map a number of times starting this Saturday in Morristown, New Jersey. 
Baltimore on Sunday, Greensburg on Tuesday, then the week after, Huntington, New York on Tuesday, Williamsport on the 12th, and Wilmington, Delaware on the 13th. So just share for a moment, if you would, about the show. What are folks in store for when they come see you? What we like to do is we start out with a bunch of classic Beach Boys songs, surfing songs, car songs, and some all, all kinds of things like that. Yeah. But then on the and we'll take a break after doing an hour of music. We'll take a twenty minute break and then come out with uh, come out with a bunch of Christmas songs. You know, from the Beach Boys original Christmas album, um, and also the Reason for the Season albums, along with you know like the song that Hanson backed me up on. Sure. And so we. we a, a complete thing of Christmas songs, but we'll, I love in, ending up with Reason for the Season because it's got a baritone sax solo and it's a boogie-woogie groove and it's a great, great song with, a, with some meaning to it, too, but also a Little St. Nick and then end up with Fun, Fun, Fun. How can you go wrong? There you go. So that's our conversation with Mike Love. You can catch the whole thing at WFIL.com. Joe, you have Reason for the Season over there somewhere? Maybe we could use that as a little bump as we head to our break, and then we'll come back and give you a, a number of other clips of artists that we've had. This, that's that baritone sax he was talking about. This is a little, just a little taste of Reason for the Season from his CD, also called Reason for the Season. Back in a second with more on AM560 WFIL. And local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. 435 AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Listen to Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. May have a couple of flurries, light snow in a couple of spots for the next few hours, and then with some clouds and clearing out later tonight, low down to 26, plenty of sun tomorrow, high 43. Friday, right through next week, it looks like good amount of sunshine, the high around 35 to 40 each day. Sixers are at Toronto tonight, doing well lately, won eight of their last nine. Flyers are home tomorrow against Columbus. President uh, George Herbert Walker Bush's funeral service was earlier today honored him well, was very evangelistic in many ways. His son spoke, George W. Bush, and uh, Michael W. Smith, a lot of W's flying around here, did the song Friends. He's a longtime friends with the Bush family and uh, showed up and there's a big choir behind. Very powerful. Um, I, you know, regardless of what you think politically, I know one image that stood out to me was seeing George W. Bush watch his father's coffin being taken out very slowly, methodically, with honor. And uh, I know my mom passed away three and a half years ago. And I remember wanting to have it be, be private. That's a, the kind of thing where I don't want to share my mom with the world. I didn't want to put anything on Facebook about it or whatever. And, uh, of course, the Bush families lived in the, in the public spotlight, so I'm sure they're used to it. And I think there's still a one more service, at least, for the family. It's going to be smaller back in Texas, where they're from. But... Um, just the compassion. I think you, if anybody's lost a parent, uh, you know 
that that it's not easy. And at certain times of year, it's especially maybe Christmas time can be a, a harder time to think about that sort of thing. So it was pretty powerful. I was actually getting my, my car inspected and I was sitting in the lobby of where I was just working on a, on a, my laptop and I didn't intend to really watch the funeral. I knew it was happening, but I was like, oh, I got stuff to do and caught out of the corner of my eye, started watching. I'm like, you know what? This happens every once in a very, very great while. I probably should just watch this for the historical significance of nothing else. And then as I watched the last half hour or so, I was like, wow, this is pretty good, actually. It's it's worth doing in our very fast-paced lives. We're running around checking our texts and all the other Facebook and everything else we're doing. It's like this was a gentleman who, uh, you know, 94 years old, I believe it was. And I heard someone put it, they said he's the last soldier statesman, you know, the 20th century kind of. Uh, founding father of sorts. And there's a lot of respect, you know, on both sides of, of the aisle, as it were. So we're glad we were, we were going to play a little bit of a clip of that earlier as far as uh, his son, George W., and the, the remarks he made, which also had a lot of humor in them, which is pretty cool. So that said, uh, if you're new to the station, WFIL, this is a program we started a few months ago. And one of the purposes behind this four to five slot is to build bridges into the tri-state area locally, you know, have community engagement and phone calls as part of that. But one of the, I just want to give you a little example of what we mean by when we talk about community. Uh, there was a lady named Jill Page, and she works with a ministry called Every Good Gift. And she, up in Montgomery County, Pennsylvania, had her on for 10 or 15 minutes one day to talk about what that is. And here's just a little snippet of what she had to share. So Every Good Gift is a job training ministry for young single mothers. And we are working primarily with young women who have grown up in difficult circumstances, um, generational poverty, trauma, difficult family situations, and so forth. And oftentimes they have learned skills to deal with the crises in their life, but they haven't learned some of the basic things you need to have in place in order to work. Those are called soft skills. And as we make our products, we're helping them learn the soft skills. How does it work in practical terms as far as the, the, the women that you're ministering to or, or, you know, this is all revolving around as far as having them involved? Is there, do they come to you? Do you have a place you connect with that you, you know, hey, here's someone who, who would be a good fit? How does that go? Right. So some of the organizations locally that work with young mothers, uh, housing ministries, pregnancy centers will refer women to us. Okay. They come to us. We use space at a church. Where we work is right on a bus route. The bus stops right in front of the very room in which we work. Wow. And it's it's within a block or two of a train station. So usually our women don't have cars, but they can get to us on public transportation. And that's actually harder than it sounds. Uh, we have a woman right now who takes three buses to get to us. Wow. Um, three buses in and three buses on the way home. So it's quite... Wow. It's the women... Yes. <laughs> Um, I'm learning a lot about what it's like to live in in poverty and in difficult circumstances. The women that work with us really want to work. They don't want to stay um, just collecting government services. Most of the women come and they're receiving different things like medical insurance and food stamps, uh, maybe cash assistance, and, and they need those things now because they've got to have medical care for themselves and their baby. Uh, They need to be able to eat, but they don't want to stay dependent upon those services. What that does is it traps women in poverty. They spend their time going around from appointment to appointment, going to the WIC appointment and going to the county assistance office and going to this and that, and 
they want to work, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah, a lot comes with that. Chatting with uh, Jill Page from Every Good Gift, their site, everygoodgift.org. So the women who are coming to us do want to work. Uh, what they, what many of the women don't know is some of the basic things, like being dependable, being on time. Um, it's, if something happens in your life, just you know, some people would just not show up and, and not let me know that they're not coming in. Yeah. So we're teaching them to make sure that they plan appointments for the days that they're not working, that they arrange enough time to get up and pack lunch and pack everything they need for the baby to get to us on time to communicate with me. If, if the bus is late today, then text me and let me know. So those are, those are kind of basic skills, but those are things that would not have been such a priority when you're just trying to survive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then the business model is interesting too, just to, to teach these things, these soft skills, as you refer to them in a business environment, because if you're going to go get a job anywhere else uh, over the course of their lives, they have to have those fundamentals in place or they won't last very long at the, at the next job. Uh, do, right. Yeah. Do you view every good gift a little bit as a training ground as opposed to, or maybe a lot as a training ground rather than a destination? Definitely. We, we love the women. We have just amazing young mothers that come and work with us. And so when one of them, I call it graduates yeah. and moves on to a job with longer hours and higher pay or goes on to a training program that's going to enable her to get a better job, it's bittersweet. We're going to miss her, but we're so glad that she's moving on. So we're excited for her. Um, but, you know, we, we miss each woman who, who leaves. Yeah, I bet. Chatting with I'm Jill Page. Stay in touch. Yeah. Well, that's. And do they ever come back every now and again to drop in and say and keep you posted? Or yes. Yeah. Yes. That, and we have we have two social events a year. We do a Christmas party with the board and the volunteers and the moms together, and all women who've worked with us are welcome to come back. And then we do a cookout in the summer. All right. So that's Jill Page from Every Good Gift, everygoodgift.org.org. If you want to look that up, actually, well, was that a a holiday fair kind of thing in the community recently and picked up some items that they had for sale that the women had put together. So it's a way of affirming what the work that they're doing and there's lots of different ways to interact. So hopefully this program gives you some ideas and gives you some insight to what's happening right around, uh, you know, right around the area here. So, um, Double check. Okay, so this other speaking of in the community right now, shifting gears, you listen to the Tim DeMoss show and the podcasts of this program are up at WFIL.com. So help yourself anytime. There are I think sixty of them or so. And they each usually have, you know, one or two, sometimes three guests on them. So enjoy that anytime you like at WFIL.com podcast tab up up top, drop down menu for this show, and then you're good to go. Uh, and also welcome to tell a friend. Let the people know about it if, they, if you'd like to help the, the show and the, the station grow. Uh, my, Matthew Newell is another guest we had on. Fascinating. Uh, his name, uh, he's with the Family Hope Center, and they're based in Norristown. And we know Matthew very well because he has been instrumental in helping our family with our daughter who is uh, disabled. Lots of challenges. A Vic, a Victoria Joy is our daughter. She's almost 13. We've been um, connected with Matthew for almost Tori's entire life. And one of the things that they do, really what they do there in a nutshell, is they teach you about the brain so you can work it. Just like any other muscle, you could work it and bring about progress from the inside out rather than trying to cope or medicate or strategize or, or look at your child from the outside in. They help you understand what the brain's about and then go outward from there. And there's lots that goes to it, lots that, that you know, comes with that. But here's just a little piece I had with Matthew. He was in studio with us recently. Tim, we were just talking about reading right. and how some children struggle. Like, they'll be able to see a word, 
and identify it. But if you put five words in a sentence, their eyes just don't work together. So parents have to, for instance, point to the word for them to to, to read, yeah. you know, something. And what we find is that a there's a muscle called the lateral rectus muscle. It's a it's located, you know, to move your eyes side to side. It comes out of the pons, which is a wonderful part of the brain, your brain stem. And when you crawl, combat crawl on your belly, you stimulate that cranial nerve that runs the eyes side to side. And we find that children who developmentally have crawled on their belly have the ability to move their eyes side to side beautifully. Like they can catch a football, they can read, they can ride a bike and see peripheral vision. But children who have not really developmentally crawled on their belly, like combat crawling. When they were little. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. This is what God designed. God yeah. designed the babies crawl on their belly. Then they get up on their hands and knees and they creep around for four or five months. And then they stand up in the middle of the floor and they walk. And then by three years old, they start running. And yeah. they, kids think running is a means of transportation. And we say, no, you can't run here. You can't run there. And. They're thrilled. Then after they start running, they start thinking of ways to exercise their body, like riding a bike and playing baseball and whatever. But if they don't get the low-level moment, that that moment to crawl on their belly and combat crawl, they can't organize the part of their brain that's responsible for moving their eyes side to side. And so they get to school, and all of a sudden, whoops, I know that word, but when you put a lot of words on the page, my eyes just can't keep – the mechanics of the neurology can't keep up. Right. So – Parents knowing that, they go, oh, my child's not being lazy. My child's not being this. He just needs a little bit of mechanical engineering in this part of their brain. So we explain that and we show them and so they can support their child at home. They can have everybody else help them if they want, but they get to be part of that process. Yeah, and, and that's so to your point, amazing. The, the person, because you'll you may hear a parent say, "My kid was Johnny was walking. He was six months old, seven months old. Like like it was a great accomplishment. Like mm-hmm. wow, how precocious!" Mm-hmm. Or, but to say, "Well, right. that's neat to see. Yeah, you do want your child to walk." But there was that neurological stage that was missed. But and- all kids go through a neurological stage, and we find that some kids in today's society they get carried a lot. They're in a Johnny Walker. They're in a stroller. You know, we all love our kids. If we knew that we just gave them some floor time and if we knew that we'd let them to creep around the house as much as they wanted to do and we knew that walking would just come natural yeah. and we didn't push it, we just allowed it to occur, and if we understood the brain, we would we would be in awe of how it grows according to – and, you know, interesting thing, Tim, is that the same function that allows you to move your eyes side to side, the same part of the brain, is the same part of the brain that helps you regulate your emotions – Helps you to focus and pay attention. Helps you to control the mechanics of your tongue. Helps you to fall asleep at night and wake up alert. Helps you to control your bladder and your bowels. Helps you to really be able to have a basic sense of motivation, like to draw something for your mother or at Christmas. Yeah. And 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 we sometimes take it for granted because we don't know. We just think, oh, this things just happened by accident, or they just happened on a on a circuit board. Right. But they don't. They happen. And if it doesn't happen, we get worried, but we don't know why. We're here to inform parents. Thomas Jefferson said that the best thing we can do is to inform your discretion by education. And he says we shouldn't take it from people. If they're struggling to learn something, if the society is struggling, if it, it, the best thing is don't take it, the responsibility from people, but to inform the discretion by education. And so we became teachers. We became educators. And, and uh, we love partnering with parents. We yeah. find it to be 
uh, an absolute privilege. And it's, it's our passion, actually. That's Matthew Newell, the director of the Family Hope Center. You can find out more about them, familyhopecenter.com. And the way they partner with parents, they have a training conference a few times a year. You go once and you learn a ton, uh, but their starting point is actually the brain. It's not, hey, does your kid have trouble reading? Let's talk about that. They lay out the brain, and as they teach about it, that's where the parents' knowledge comes into play. Like, oh, that's okay. And then you have tools to work with. So down the road, they do give you tools, but they want to start with a, a flat table, if you will, that's clear. And this is the brain. This is the roadmap. This is how God designed it. And, uh, and this is how it develops in order. So it may give you a roadmap, really. And so it's fascinating stuff. Again, you can find out more about them, familyhopecenter.com. Our family has been involved with them a long time and been a big blessing. Uh, so Matthew, one of the guests we've had on our program, we're going to take a short break and come back at you with a, maybe one more guest or two to give you a sample of what the Tim DeMoss show is. And by God's grace, we'll continue to be. We appreciate your prayers, of course, for the show. Back in a second, AM 560 WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. It's 4.53. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. We had the privilege of um, J.C. Romero, who is a pitcher for the Phillies when they won the World Series, uh, 10 years ago, he actually came on the program 10 years and one day after they won the World Series. We had Brad Lidge on on the 10-year anniversary who closed the World Series. And uh, we have some audio we can share from that interview as well. But I want to pick this from J.C. Romero. He was just really good. He was on point sharing about his faith and the game and all that. He actually got the – he was the winner. And I believe he saved two games in that 19 19- – uh, I'm sorry, 2008 World Series. So near the end of the interview, I asked him, as I sometimes will ask guests, is, you know, anything that people could pray for you about. So this is J.C. Romero from the Phillies at the time, the 2008 World Series champions, won a couple of games, closed out, uh, or and, uh, sorry, saved a couple of games and closed out the, <laughs> sorry, I'm just tired. He's saved two games, won the fifth game, the deciding game. And here's what he had to say when I said, can people pray for you? There's people listening and uh and they want to just give me their prayers just pray for for uh for me to continue to to continue to walk even closer to the lord to to strive to be the best uh godly man that i could be so every time i come in in, in contact with somebody they don't see me they see the lord living through me so i could be a, a impactful uh, uh person to them uh but you know i tell you something and i wrap it up with this in 2012, I went to church and uh, in Puerto Rico, and a lady that didn't know me told me, uh, your time is up. She was praying for me, and she said, your time is up. Whatever you are, you are your time is up. And I didn't understand that. Hmm. I played independent ball, did really well. Played Puerto Rican league, did really well. Every league that I played, I ended up doing, you know, really decent to get an opportunity to be back in the big leagues. I didn't understood. I reinvented myself. I did everything in my power to, to try to get back to the big leagues until one day somebody else confirmed it to me and said, your time in the big leagues is over. Now the Lord wants you to go out and reach those around you and let them know about what you live, what you went through in the big leagues. They're good, they're bad, they're, 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 they're ugly, but you have to stand firm and you got to go and tell the youth and let them know it's not easy, but if you walk close to me, you'll be able to achieve your goal. So that's what I'm doing right now, my brother. Wow. 
Wow, that's great. <laughs> that's and something. that happened in 2012, and I retired in 2017, playing for the Puerto Rican team at the age of 40 years of age. And I was the comeback player of the year in Puerto Rico, throwing 20 nights on scoreless inning, and I did not get invited to a spring training with, with any team in the big leagues. So when you see stuff like that, you say, you know what? The Lord has spoken, and I got to listen and obey. <laughs> <laughs> it took five years, but sometimes it takes that, right? Sometimes we're stubborn. You know how we are. <laughs> Just a little bit. Well, you're an articulate guy, yeah. JC, also. Is there any chance you may get into into baseball again, possible broadcasting or, or coaching or you anything? You know what? I don't know. At this point, I just want the Lord to guide me. And if I, if I could be a blessing to others, I want him to put me in the right spot. I know I did a little uh, color commentating last year with the Phillies, and uh, they hire uh, uh, his name. I didn't play with him, but I think he's Carson. What is his last name? The, the color commentator from the Phillies uh, this year, radio commentator. Uh, one of the Kevins? Did, I shouldn't know his name, but I didn't play with him, but he did really well. So that was something that I tried, and... Uh, you know, I guess the Lord didn't want me to go there. So I'm open to whatever the Lord has for me at this point. I'm 42 years old. I'm still young. But, um, you know, where, wherever he takes me, I want to just be a, a positive influence. I just don't want to go to a place just to be there. Yeah. I want to do something special for the Lord and use the knowledge that, that I, you know, that I got, that I, that I learned throughout my years and trying to share that with, with the, you know, the ones that need it. That's J.C. Romero, the Phillies' uh, 2008 World Series, uh, one of the team team members, and he uh, saved a couple games and won the deciding fifth game and certainly sharing his testimony there. And it's real cool. It was just very real, you know. Even though the Lord sent him a word, it still took five years to listen, which is how it can be sometimes. So, anyhow, hope you enjoyed the program today. We also from Jill Page, Every Good Gift, Matthew Newell, Family Hope Center in Norristown, Mike Love of the Beach Boys, giving an example of what the Tim DeMoss show is. By God's grace, we appreciate your prayers. Podcast at WFIL.com. Put there by the hardest working producer in Philadelphia radio from 402 to 45850, Joe Harnett, which means he's off in seven seconds. Because Jim Maxim's up next and uh, Acts 413 Ministries. Then Truth for Life with Alistair Begg. See you tomorrow, Lord willing. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.